Does the news about Jalen Brunson possibly going to the Knicks open up playing time for Jaden Hardy? And who better to talk about the Dallas Mavericks and their draft pick other than Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs draft, even though he has on a Sacramento King shirt. But find out what Richard thinks about the Jaden Hardy move or the possibility of him earning playing time as a rookie. Stay tuned. What is up? Happy Wednesday. I guess this is the day before free agency really kicks off. And you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, your daily NBA draft podcast. I am Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBADraftJunkies.com. And my co-host for today is none other than the clip god himself, the man that is posting clips all over social media, all over Twitter. Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft, a.k.a. Magic Draft, but he has on the King shirt. So, of course, if he has on the King shirt, matter of fact, I think maybe with episodes, whatever shirt he is wearing, then we can make that a segment in the episode to talk about their draft and their future. Richard, <laughs> what's the deal, man? How's it going? Hey, you know, you might have to change my name to the uh, from Clip God to, like, I, I'm not, I don't even know what else, but, like, the T-shirt God. I don't know. I got, like what feels like every team's jersey, jersey of some sort. Uh, so I still got a few more to cycle through. So Sacramento is not the last. There's, there's a few I'm still waiting to pull out of the hat. I got, I got some of the deeply obscure ones. This is taking me back to when I used to coach youth basketball and I had this kid, he had a different jersey on every single practice. And I, I would ask his mom, like, does he have regular clothes? And she's like, no, he only has, he only has basketball jerseys. And he wore this, I think it was a dirt jersey, at least. That was like his go-to, <laughs> the one he wore all the time. All right, so let's 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 talk about this crazy free agency news that kind of came out today. I mean, I guess it's not official. Um, it could change. I mean, you know, just what a couple of days ago we thought Kyrie was on his way to the Lakers, and then all of a sudden he switched it up. So today I was at Jaden Hardy's introduction or introductory press conference with, with the Mavericks and it was you know not a huge amount of people there as you can imagine for a second round pick and right while I'm there Tim Cato who covers the Mavs for the Athletic was there and then you start seeing tweets that Jalen Brunson is pretty much considered a lot to go to New York so it made me think does Jaden Hardy have a chance of cracking the Mavs rotation and on one hand I could see how somebody could say, oh, he's a rookie. He was inefficient. The answer is no. But then on the other hand, I think what he does bring to the table is he is a good shooter as far as catch and shoot situations. The inefficiency was due to just his shot selection and um, just the huge adjustment. But I do think for a guy that shot 54% on open catch and shoot jumpers in the G League with the adjustment of the NBA ball and the NBA line, I think there is a chance that he could see some minutes for the Mavericks. So just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you think there's a chance, like maybe he takes Frank Milikina's minutes, or I guess Frank is, is a, a free agent this summer, but what are your thoughts on the Hardy, on the Hardy um, draft pick? And then overall, you just thoughts on the Mavs taking him. 
Yeah, I, I was a little bit lower than most on the pick. I don't hate the pick. I like the upside swing at 37. You get great value for somebody who was seen as a consensus first round pick. Somebody who I had originally as my number one prospect heading into 2022. Whoa. But the inefficiency does concern me. Is he going to be just an off-ball player year one? If so, I'm more optimistic. Uh, something to measure what his production and minutes might look like. I'll give a little bit of reference here. So Frank Nielakino played 58 games. Josh Green played 67. Pretty much the bar is Sterling Brown, who played 49 games. They tried getting him to be a good player at the beginning of the season. By January, February, they're like, all right, no more. He's a garbage time player. So for me, I think Jaden Hardy's going to exceed 41 games. Uh, I was actually asked that yesterday morning. Uh, you know, will he play half the games in the year? And I think the answer is no doubt yes, barring injury. So you brought up uh, a good tweet that I think it went viral, bringing up the point that, what was it, 54.5% on open threes? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, or catch and, and I, shoot jumpers. So that yes, could be. Yeah, yes. Yes. Sorry. Different. Yeah. That horribly misleading what I said. But the catch and shoot, obviously, we know you have to be a spot up shooter in some capacity to be able to play with Luka Doncic. Could it happen? Who knows? Uh, the ultimately, I, I think it will. But the big test for him is going to be what is his on ball ability look like in efficiency? Because if he's not efficient with a ball in his hands and he's just an off ball player, I don't know. At 6'4", it's hard to be an off-ball player. So I, I have some reservations, but I do like the potential in year one. I like the potential because he is he is a scorer that can shoot. I kind of like that better than a shooter. Well, I'm trying to think. Yeah, he can score, but he can shoot. So it, it's kind of like if he's not going to create or, you know, be someone that you can – play on the ball early in his career he can find minutes on the floor as a spot-up shooter then you can slowly add the other stuff into his game once he gets a little bit more comfortable I think that's better than the other way around than a guy that is more so wired to score but he can only shoot when he's you know has a great rhythm and he's shooting on volume and so I think for him that's a positive like for example I was just watching even though kind of a little ahead but I was watching Derek Whitehead who is in the 2023 class and I labeled him more so as a scorer than a shooter and he can only shoot when he's hot and I mean he can make tough shots and he, he can get buckets but he needs like a heavy volume of attempts in my opinion to knock an open shot so with Hardy I feel like he should be able to at the very minimum be a, a good spot up shooter and at some of the the, the numbers that mentioned that Richard mentioned in this tweet, and I'll just read them out to you. So this is, I mean, the comparison is not apples to apples. It's not a very good comparison, but I will add in that Jaden Hardy was shooting from the NBA three-point line and playing with the NBA ball. And as far as unguarded catch and shoot numbers, Jabari Smith shot a scorching 65% on unguarded catch and shoot jump shots, not necessarily threes, but catch and shoots, which, I'd say the majority of them are threes. He only had 23 attempts, but he shot 65%. Jaden Hardy shot 54.5% on 33 attempts. A.J. Griffin shot 51% on 43 attempts. And the biggest surprise, and I mean, there's other names that I could throw in this list, but the biggest surprise is Benedict Matherin only shot 26% on unguarded catch-and-shoot jumpers, and it was on 42 attempts. So in my opinion, if Hardy is getting 33 unguarded catch and shoot attempts in the G League and he shoots 54 percent 
if you play with Luka Doncic, you're going to get a nice amount of unguarded or wide open catch and shoot jumpers. And if he can knock those down, I think that he could possibly steal some 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 minutes in, in the rotation. So overall, like I know um you said that you were you had him number one coming into the season. Was it strictly the inefficiency that made you drop him, or was it more so you didn't think that he could play point guard? Like there were some rumors or some people thought that he could possibly play with the ball in his hands. And do you feel like he just didn't get an opportunity or you feel like he couldn't? I mean, for me, I actually don't have a lot of concerns about him as a playmaker. Like a lot of people do. Um, I had concerns about like Cam Thomas, for example, as a playmaker. And they're very similar players. Uh, I don't with Jaden Hardy. He passes on the move, the amount of pick and rolls he ran. I think he has experience in seeing defenses through that and can pass that way. That's not actually a concern of mine. The negatives I have are just so strong for me. This stiff moving jumper on, on his moving jump shot. It just looks very, I mean, stiff. I don't really know how else to elaborate on it. It just doesn't look like he's really creating a ton of space on a lot of his moving jump shots. Uh, I don't like necessarily the way he brings the ball up on his jump shot. I think there's just some room for improvement there. Not a good finisher at the rim. Uh, he shot 45.5% at the rim. That was really alarming. Just looking at his shot chart on shots over 10, uh, I'll go with nine just to, to put this in here, but nine attempts for the year total on two point shots, anything that had that, there were only two red zones versus uh, just counting this up. I'm at I'm already five. So uh, that's really alarming to me. Really worried about how he just scores within the two-point line. So that's a big issue for me is just can he tone down some of those bad shots and turn it into efficient shots with overall less shots? And that's, that's the big key. I mean, I think he is a very confident scorer, and I think he brought the high school and AAU confidence into the G League and some of those shots that were easy against high schoolers weren't as easy as, you know, as it was when he had to go against grown men. But I think he understands, in my opinion, that that will not be his role in the NBA. And I did talk to like some scouts or some people that are very familiar with his game. And they're like, that's the big question mark. Will he fully um, embrace that? You know, he's going to be a complimentary player once he gets to the NBA. All right. When we return, we'll talk about, the Orlando Magic and Paolo Bancaro. And then we'll talk about the Sacramento Kings simply because Richard has on a King shirt. But first, I want to talk to you about Sakara and feeling your best starts with what you eat. And Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle. But more importantly, truly enjoy it. And you can enjoy it with delicious, plant rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. And now is the time to seek wellness, joy and abundance in all areas of your life. And it starts with what you eat. And with Sakara, you get nutrition, dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body. And you do not have to sacrifice taste or quality. Now, if you're looking for the opportunity or you're looking to feel your best, it shouldn't mean deprivation. Instead, choose joy and abundance. Sakara's organic plant-rich transformational nutrition programs are designed to help you cultivate body intelligence so you can nourish your body and experience the results that you want. So you're probably wondering, what is Sakara and their, their meals? They are nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfast, lunches and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, 
and they will help boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door and ready to eat. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 and you enter locked on 20 at the checkout. That is Sakara, S A K A R A dot com slash locked on 20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. Once again, sakara.com slash locked on 20. All right. Once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. I'm Rafael Barlow, got Richard Stamen, aka the Clip God, aka Mr. Multiple Team T-shirt collector. I don't even know what was the proper name, but and I, you got a closet full of team t-shirts. So, all right, let's talk about the Orlando Magic. So we talked about it briefly after draft night, and I know you are aka Mav slash Magic Draft. How shocked were you? Just not from like reading the lines, but how shocked were you that Orlando actually went ahead and selected Paolo Bancaro number one? I want to be shocked, but like at the same time, this is an organization that, um, I mean, they will let people go if they reveal sources, like, you know, something else to the media, things like that. And it's a secretive organization, I think. Some, we should have known something was up. One, uh, when Jabari Smith never uh, I don't know, this was shock- shocking to me that he got a, uh, a media session afterwards. That was really surprising to me for a team that was so everything close to the chest that they let that happen. That seemed like a big smoke screen to me, but I didn't really think anything of it because never heard about anybody else. So I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then the stuff about Paolo came up probably Wednesday, I think, saying that he had been in contact and all this stuff, but it does, it does surprise me they actually did it. I thought they were going to shut it down let the line go up and then go, actually, we're just going to take Jabari Smith. I'm really shocked. I'm also more shocked that Chet didn't get to Orlando. Like that never was even a rumor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting because if they did the biggest smoke screen ever and it was totally planned to just throw everybody off. I know uh, I, I have some people that I'm pretty cool with, and they said they've worked with with uh, Weltman before, and they were at ESPN. And they say he just doesn't talk. Period. You're never going to to get his opinion. So they weren't surprised at all that that nothing really leaked. And uh, it's I, I'm glad. I mean, I thought Ben Carroll was the, the best player. I think he gives them the best uh, go to score in a sense, someone that, that can create his own shot. I think that's what Orlando needs. I think it worked out for Houston too. I think Houston had one of the better draft classes. They, I think they improved on, on the defensive end. And I think Ty Ty Washington goes to like a, a perfect fit for him in a sense. Cause I don't see him as a, as your engine to a team, but I think he can play very well off Jalen green with, with his ability to shoot. All right. Let's talk about the Kings. Now, I made the prediction on a previous episode that the Kings are going to make the right decision. Do you think they made the right choice or do you think they should have went with Ivy? Yes, yes. I, it, it was the same dilemma the Magic have been in. If the Magic had been at four, I would have done the exact same thing. It was, you have so many guards. You have done this to yourself where you said, hey, we like this guard, we like this guard. We understand next year, we probably cannot take a guard unless there is a franchise-changing guard. And if you don't see Jaden Ivey as that, which I'd be shocked if most teams did, um, then don't take him. And Keegan Murray is somebody who 
like not just a no Jaden Ivy. Like I do like Jaden Ivy who was fourth on my board, but Keegan Murray, somebody who I think is very underrated at this point. He was the best offensive player I would say in the big 10, also one of the best defensive players. There's some elements to his game might not translate the way he posts up a little bit too quickly in transition offense, things like that. Uh, weird little minor, you know, tinkering, but like overall his holes are very minimal. He complements the current core. This is a team that has desperately needed defense year over year. Now back-to-back years, they've drafted three plus defenders. I would say two of them play Nemius Keda does not, but him and Davion Mitchell, I love that pairing. And it also gives versatility in the front court. They still need a true center. Maybe Keda steps up, but ultimately I really do like that pick. I think it was a great combination of floor and ceiling. All right. So do you think that if Ivy has like a really good year in Detroit, do you think the fans will, will understand the, the reasoning behind it? Cause I feel like the Sacramento was in a no win situation regardless. If they draft Ivy, everyone's gonna say, yeah, you took the best player available, but it's your fourth guard in five years. If you don't draft him and he ends up being really good, then you're going to get criticized for that. So I feel like they're in a no-win situation. But do you think if, let's say Ivy is first-team all-rookie and, you know, you know, he has a bunch of highlights, do you still think they made the right decision? I mean, I, I think you're going to see a lot of people uh, do that anyways. Just looking at, for example, Sadiq Bey. This one always comes to mind. I'm going to skip a team in this, but the 2020 draft, everybody kicked themselves for not getting Desmond Bain. Even though, like, Yes, and I, I would have taken Desmond, but at the same time, it's not like you missed out horribly like some teams that picked 18th or something, just a random number, you know, anything like that. But, <laughs> but there are teams, I mean, I've seen a big riders put out for both of these teams. Sadiq Bay was a miss, uh, even though he's a perfectly, I think, fine player. I think he's somebody who sticks. He's good. He's part of the Pistons core. Hell, I even saw Sixers fans writing out how – Tyrese Maxey was the wrong pick. Desmond Bain was the right pick. And, you know, somebody's always going to be mad. And when Sacramento, when the stigma is already, you already made the wrong pick, no matter, even if they chose Michael Jordan in 1984, they, they would have, you know, that version, you still would have gotten criticism because, oh, well, what about the guards and all this stuff? So for me, it's like, yeah, they're going to get criticized anyways, but ultimately for the objective evaluation, I think it doesn't really matter what Ivy does. If Keegan's good, it really should not matter. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what happens in summer league. Like, you know, if Ivy has a great summer league, which I think his game is suited to just really stand out in summer league, if Murray gets off to a slow start, then I, I think the rumblings about Sacramento, their front office did it again. I think they're going to be extremely loud as, as early as next week. Speaking of summer league, I talk about summer league and get Richard's opinion in the next segment, but let's talk to bet online because bet online is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and major league baseball bet online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores betonline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores podcasts and news this season and betonline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events including mma boxing and golf head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action that's because betonline is where the game starts 
Richard Stamen here. I'm Rafael Barlow. Let's talk about just for briefly. Let's talk about summer league. Who are the top five players that you are looking to see in summer league? And are, are you going by any chance? Are you going to Vegas? Man, I, I really wish I could. Uh, unfortunately, this is another year where I cannot. So I'll, I'll say it again next year in Vegas. Um, I really wish I could be. Are you going? I'm undecided, man. My wife is due at the end of July. Summer league is, if I go, it will be like the 7th through the 9th. We're starting on Thursday this year. I've had two friends in the last week or so tell me that they, or they had children born in the last two weeks, I should say. And both of them, their their kid came early. One, his daughter came like six weeks early. And um, he said he was actually supposed to go to Vegas. And the reason he didn't go was because the flights, the prices hiked at the last minute. So he chose not to go. He stayed. His daughter was born. But she was extremely early. Then I had another friend that he said he's supposed to go to Denver for, for work. And then he chose not to go because he thought it was kind of close. And then his wife gave birth. So <laughs> I'm kind of torn. Went to the doctor earlier today and the doctor was like, oh, we'll be fine. So if I go, it will be like Thursday and come back Sunday night. I feel like I mean, after having such a good draft class, I guess for me personally, it, it makes a lot of sense to go. And I usually go every year and it's it's a great time. If you've never been, I, I suggest go. It's a little bit more commercial than it used to be, but I mean, it is great for networking and, and you'd be surprised how many people will come up to you and say, I listen to your podcast because there's a lot of really diehard draft fans that that are um, in uh, in Vegas. So yeah, I'm undecided. I know the longer I wait, the higher tickets are going to be, but we'll we'll see. Now, who, who's your the number one player that you're looking forward to seeing? Yeah, and and just real quick before I answer that, I mean that was how Portsmouth was, just a little bit more. It was less commercialized. Obviously, it's not even televised, but really similar. Where I was having people come up and they're like, "Hey, I know, I know you, whatever," and I'd be like, "Wait, what? Like who? <laughs> I never I I never anticipated. I was like, you you know who I am. So, uh, but to answer your question. I'll go with somebody. I'm going to stay away from the top 10 because I think those are just too easy of answers. It's a uh, low hanging fruit. I'm going to go with Tari Eason at Houston. Uh, I think he's the first of the polarizing guys. People overreact to summer league. And I think he's going to have a little bit of a, a microscope on him. If he kills it, I think everybody's going to be like, you know, this dude was the steal of the draft. If he doesn't, um, I think people are, are really going to turn on him, which is unfortunate because I don't think you can actually make long-term evaluations off of summer league because it's a bona fide exp- exhibition game yeah it's crazy i haven't really heard anybody really divisive on him i i thought he went where he was projected to go um i know i had talked to his mom about some of the 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 tweets that, that were saying that he he didn't do well and she told me he's he's gonna he's not gonna fall he's not gonna fall so she was right about that for me i, I want to see and it's not because I'm a Blazers fan, but I want to see Shaden Sharp. I'm curious to see what he looks like. I mean, it's almost been, I guess he played some high school ball earlier this year, but it's almost been like a year. And, and so I think for him, if he has a good summer league, which I've heard an NBA scout or a representative for NBA team say he thinks he'll have a good summer league because it's such free flowing. If he has a good summer league, then the buzz around him is going to be crazy going into the season. And then I think it's going to 
be a situation where he doesn't really get a lot of minutes in the season. So he's my number one. Of course, Ivy, Bancaro, all of those guys. Patrick Baldwin is a guy that I'm curious to see about because I've been I've been low on Baldwin. I've been extremely low. And I've talked to people since the draft, and they're still amazed that he went in, in the first round. And one person told me, Mark Bartlestein is the most powerful agent in the world. If he can get a guy drafted in the first round who had a terrible combine and didn't shoot well. So I'm I'm really interested to see how he looks in summer league. Is there anybody else that you that you're looking forward to seeing? Yeah, I'll I'll choose two guys picked very closely to him. Uh, I'll I'll start with an exciting one, somebody who I think is going to be really good for the highlight reel. And that's Nikola Jovic. I think somebody somebody who is going to be a 6'11 shot creator. Uh, I think we're going to see some flashy plays from him. Not necessarily the most efficient, but I think you will see flash. Another player that really stands out, this is kind of going back to this one's way more polarizing. And, you know, I couldn't go an episode without saying him. And it's not Jeremy Sohan. Oh. Uh, shout out to the counter. But uh, <laughs> we need to just have like a permanent counter of that, by the way. Like time, hours, minutes since Jeremy Sohan's name is said on here. But Peyton Watson for Denver. Um, the big narrative with him, right, was he was in a bad situation in UCLA. Let's see what he looks like with a more confident unit in the NBA. This is a really good test for him. Uh, I, I don't really think we have gotten to see him in a real environment in a long time. So I think this will be good. A lot of his peers uh, will, will get a real test of was that true or was some of the issues uh, real that he will have a long learning curve to overcome. You know, I think Jovic is going to have a big learning curve. I really think so. And I'm, I'm high on Jovic. Um, you know, I had just texted him like a couple of days ago after the draft and just wishing him well. I think Miami is a good fit for him. But I think the adjustment is going to be huge because even though he's been playing professionally, he's used to it. He played in Serbia. Serbia is, I mean, it's it's a respectable league, but he played some teams like, you know, some of their rivals may have played, you know, like higher level competition. But I think it's going to be a huge adjustment for him dealing with like the athleticism and the speed of playing in summer league and it's such a free-flowing system it's kind of like AU in a sense because the guys are new teams are just flying guys in they're you know having small practices and I think for him he's just so used to structure and systems I think that he could struggle I hope he does well I really do but I think he could struggle like we saw like last year Usman um, Garuba he really struggled but in his defense, he came late. I think he was with the Spanish national team. I think he just got there at the last minute, and he struggled this season overall. I thought Shingun played well in summer league last year. He just had to, like, create his own shots because he was on the team with a bunch of gunners that didn't really get him the ball. Um, but, yeah, I think Jovic is probably going to struggle a little bit, but I, I hope I'm wrong. Is there anybody else that, that you're, like, really interested in seeing how they play in summer league. Yeah. And, and again, before I answered that, I, I actually agree because you look at somebody who can't play defense and was struggling to score within the two point or excuse me, three point line. Um, I think that's actually going to be a big adjustment. I'll go with two sleepers here. Um, two guys that I am excited to see. They're very different players. Uh, I don't think they're exactly household names. They were both undrafted, but 
since that is both of our fortes is these deep cuts, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with Jacob Gilliard. He's playing with the Warriors, uh, the MCAA's all-time seals leader. I'm really interested to see what uh, what kind of trouble he brings ball handlers in against the NBA competition, see how it scales up very early on. That'll be big for him uh, testing to get to a two-way or training camp deal. And then secondly, I'm going to go with the exciting undrafted free agent of Kenneth Lofton Jr., who is uh, – I don't know how to describe him. He is a mountain of a man in a way uh, where if he was born, I don't know, 1975, we would be talking about him as one of the most underrated post scorers of all time, I think in the NBA, but now who knows if he'll actually stick in the NBA. So he'll be somebody I'm really excited to see. Yeah. One of the more interesting decisions to not return to college basketball. I think, you know, I heard rumors that he was going to transfer to a, a bigger school. And I think he would have been like a fan favorite at a bigger school. I think he could have made him some money with NIL. I don't understand how he thought he was going to get drafted. And I mean, this draft, there were guys that were rated ahead of him that didn't get drafted, but yeah, he, him and John Butler were two of the more interesting decisions to me, as far as leaving school, I thought they both could have went to school, got better in opposite reasons, I think John Butler could have put on some weight. And I think Kenny Lofton could have slimmed down a little bit and both went undrafted. And as of right now, that time we're recording, I don't think Butler has even been picked up by a team, which makes his decision even more interesting. And I, I when I was at the combine, I sat next to a scout and he says it's going to take him three or four years before he's even ready, even though he's skilled. They're like, you just can't play an NBA at, at, at that size. So I think he just made a huge, huge mistake. But the last third that I'm looking forward to seeing, I'll end it with this, is a guy that I've been extremely high on all year. I was stunned, absolutely amazed that he didn't get drafted. And it's Alondis Williams. I think that with Brooklyn, and I haven't seen their summer league roster, if Cam Thomas was playing or not, but I think that he is going to really look good in the summer league setting, especially if the team is his and it's kind of built around him. I think he is going to really take off and shine in that setting since Brooklyn doesn't really have any other picks. He's probably going to be the focal point of the team again, unless Cam plays and I think he's going to shine. So looking forward now, I just talked myself into really looking for a ticket tonight. Hey, let me ask you something. I, I sorry for last second question, but every year there is a sophomore in the NBA that is, quote unquote, too good for summer league. Like years past, I know Aaron Gordon is somebody who has been so like he was done in three games. He plays a couple of games, dominates, goes home. Who is this year's player? It's probably going to be someone from 2021. Personally, my pick is actually Cam Thomas, uh, since you said it. Uh, let me think. I put you on the spot, so understandable that you need a second. And I don't think anybody, I honestly don't know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Cade, Mobley, Green, Barnes, any of them play. Suggs is a good option, I think, too. I'm not sure. Speaking of Scotty Barnes, I just saw he was in Dallas working out today. You know what? For some reason, the first name that comes to mind is Trey Murphy. Oh, I like that. No, I like that one a lot. He is hidden, and I think he was way better than his rookie year production shows. I like that one a lot. Yeah, he can make a case that he was like their third best rookie in last year. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that he's the guy that I could see just really looking too good for Summer League. And, yeah, every year there's always that guy. And then there's been some – I can't think of some off the top of my head that they have, like, a great second year Summer League, and then 
it just doesn't really translate. Or maybe they're just behind somebody where it's going to be tough for them to get minutes. But I'm going to go with Trey Murphy. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Of course, it's always fun when when we're on here together. All right. Thank you for each and every person that's made this Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, I really, really strongly advise you to check out the Locked On NBA podcast. They will cover all the latest rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day or 30 minutes or less. And Locked On NBA, you have to tune in because it is now. We're just a few hours away from free agency and they will be your one-stop shop for all of the information that you need regarding your favorite team and all the free agent moves. It's the Locked On NBA, your daily NBA update in 30 minutes or less. I am Rafael Barlow. He is Richard Stamen and we are part of the Locked On NBA Big Board Draft crew and we are out.